morning, Hillcrest and Facebook and uh, wherever you may be watching this video. Uh, this morning, I just wanted to share with you guys one of the, a story in the Bible that really just kind of inspires me. Uh, whenever I'm going through a hard time and stuff, it kind of always reminds me to give joy to the Lord, go back to the Lord and praise Him and just thank Him for everything because, you know, even though there's bad stuff, the blessings that God gives us outweighs it. And so, I just wanted to share with you the story of Job. Now, Job had a lot, a lot of stuff. He had a lot of property. He had a lot of sheep. Uh, he had seven sons, three daughters. I'm reading from Job 1, 2. Uh, he possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Now, Job had a lot. And you keep reading, and Satan takes everything away. He takes his family. He takes his kids. Um, his friends try to help, but they're not really helping. And so Job's going through a rough time, and he keeps going back to God. Even when he missed the trial, when things get really rough. And it's amazing to see how faithful our God is and how loving our God is. And at the end of Job, spoiler alert, he, Job gets everything back plus some. And it's amazing to see the faith, faithfulness of Job and to see him go through all of this. And it just kind of reminds me that even through the hard times, we still have stuff to be thankful about, right? Now, another verse I wanted to share with you is in Psalm uh, 119, Psalm 119, 105. Now, this is one of my favorite psalms, and it just, I've learned it since I was a little kid. And so I know I don't look like it, but 23 years old learned it since I was like five, right? But it's, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, I may not remember it all the time of, oh, where it is, but I still remember the, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I encourage you to read that psalm, read all the psalms. There's 150 of them, so you, hey, you have a lot to choose from, right? Guys, during this hard time, pray, pray to God. Pray, talk to him. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? What's, what's going on? going on. Pray for the people affected by COVID-19. Pray for those who are in the nursing field and medical field and the essential workers who are still going, who are stocking those shelves of toilet paper. Those are important people, right? We need that PPE. But give thanks to the Lord because we're going to make it through this hard time. We're going to need him. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for all that you do. God, thank you for the small things. Lord, Thank you for the beautiful weather here today. God, thank you for who you are and letting us be able to read your word for encouragement, for hope, for peace, and just going to you during this hard time. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your son's wonderful name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Hillcrest. Um, I hope you're doing well this morning. Um, we want to welcome you um, this morning. Uh, if you're watching Facebook Live or maybe you're watching this video sometime later in the day on Sunday, or even if you're listening to the audio recording on SoundCloud, we want to welcome you. And I want to welcome anyone who might be watching this video or listening to this audio sermon um, who's not a member of Hillcrest Christian Church. We want to welcome you as well. Well, hey, I know that we're in our third week right now, our third Sunday, where we cannot worship together publicly um, in a building. And I know this is hard for everyone. It's certainly hard for me right now, but I just want to say, like, um, 
again, like I want to reiterate what I said last week. If you, at Hillcrest specifically, if you are in need of anything, of any you know, food item or um, toiletries or Clorox wipes, like whatever it is you need, I know this is a really interesting time and a really interesting season of life that we're in where we can't, we're being told to stay in our homes more than we can leave and things of that nature. And so, again, if you're in, in need of anything, please reach out to us. Like, we want to help you and we want to serve you the best way that we can. And so reach out to the elders, reach out to Brendan. You can, you can even text me or email me. Like, I, I want to help serve you in any way that I can. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open it to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 this morning. Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, let us know. Like, we will send you a Bible. Uh, and, and again, you can download the YouVersion app on your phone. That's an incredible resource where you can access the Bible in, in many different versions. And, and so that's a good resource. And you can just download that app on your smartphone or on your uh, Apple uh, iPhone. And so, again, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We will get you a Bible. Um, so Luke chapter 10, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the, the whole passage. It's just five verses. I'm going to read all five verses. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. And so Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, the Bible says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that even though we can't gather together, publicly, like we can't come to the building and worship together in person. Father, we know that your word is still alive. We know that we can still worship you in our living rooms, in our bedrooms, in our kitchens, wherever we are right now, wherever people are listening um, to the sermon. God, I pray that your word would speak to them. I pray that your word would speak to them directly. I pray, God, that you would comfort them, that you would give them, um, and that your word would encourage them. And Holy Spirit, that you would do something that you know, we as humans cannot do, God, that you would do something in someone's heart this morning, that they, that they would hear a word from you this morning, God, and that they would be encouraged. We love you, Jesus. We know you're with us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. And so here in this passage, it's a, it's a very short passage, but there's a lot happening in this passage. In this passage, you have two women, two sisters, actually, Mary and Martha, and they actually have a brother named Lazarus. And, and Jesus, if you know the story, Jesus... Um, is really close friends with Lazarus. In fact, so Jesus is not an, a stranger to this family. And so right now, Jesus is in the house. He's in the home of Martha. Mary and Martha, their sisters, they're in the same house. They're all hanging out um, at the same time. And, and at this moment, Martha, what you see in this passage, is working tirelessly, <laughs> preparing a meal for Jesus. Like she is in the kitchen, uh, slinging pots and pans, just really busy at work, trying to make this moment special. For Jesus, she is doing literally everything that she can to make the most of this opportunity to honor Jesus. And really what Martha is doing, honestly, is the social norm in her day. Like women in Jesus' day at this time, 2,000 years ago, were essentially responsible pretty much for two things. Having kids and working in the home, working in the kitchen. Like 
this was what they were uh, called to do. This was their life. It was, it was having kids, and it was working in the home, and it was kind of remaining in that space for women. And so it was totally and completely against Jewish custom for women to converse with men in public. Not even in public, but even really in private. Like, you never, it was unheard of to see a woman speaking to a man in public in Jewish culture. Women had a special place reserved for them, even in the temple. Uh, Women and men were actually segregated. They were separated when they would attend and go to the temple. In fact, there was a, a place set aside for women to be outside of the main gathering in the temple. And so, honestly, women, they just weren't kept in high regard in Jesus' day. And Martha is literally in this moment, in this passage, doing what was culturally uh, acceptable and socially normal for her to be doing. She, Martha, in this story, is in the exact space that she should have been in. Now, on the other hand, her sister Mary wasn't. She is just sitting at Jesus' feet. She's literally doing nothing but just sitting and, and worshiping and listening to Jesus. In fact, Mary is doing uh, the exact opposite of what was socially acceptable and culturally normal for a woman uh, like her to be doing. And so Mary right now is in a room with Jesus and a bunch of other men in the exact opposite of the space that she would have been expected to be in. And Martha is in the kitchen, busy at work, doing what she only knew how to do. But that, this is what Jesus did. Like, he turned uh, Jewish customs and, and social norms on their head. He, he, Jesus flipped religion on its head. And so Jesus is the kind of person, when he, when he began his ministry, he had conversations with women oftentimes. He held women in high regard. Jesus, he, he, he had conversations with lepers. He touched them, actually. Like, lepers were considered people that, if you were even in the same vicinity as a leper, you would be considered, or you would at least be at risk to become unclean. And Jesus not only had conversations with lepers, but he touched lepers. And he even partied and had dinner with tax collectors at their houses. And so Jesus did everything Jewish men wouldn't have done, especially the the teachers and the rabbis in Jesus' day. They were infuriated when Jesus did these things because he was doing the complete opposite of what was considered socially and culturally normal for men to do. And so you have Mary right now in this passage She's taking full advantage of what's right in front of her. She has the opportunity to learn from Jesus. You know, I heard this pastor uh, once say, we need to spend less time trying to do things for Jesus and instead spend more time doing things with Jesus. And I wonder if you can resonate with that. I know I I can. It's, It's so easy for you and me to just do more. It's so easy for us to perform and do all of these things um, for the church but at the very same time, we think that it honors God by, by all of the things that we're doing. But at the very same time, we're missing right what's right in front of us. Like the way to honor Jesus is to worship him, to sit at his feet, even if it goes against social norms. And so I want to start in verse 39 in this passage. It says this, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And so this morning I have three takeaways for us based on this passage. Three exhortations, three questions, three takeaways that I want to highlight for us from this passage in Luke 10. The first one is this. Take advantage of the opportunity that you have. Take advantage of the opportunity that you have. Consider the statement that is, that is being associated with Mary's life. Like, sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary is, is sitting at Jesus' feet. That's really 
uh, for the most part, all we know about Mary, she was always sitting at Jesus' feet. You have Martha in the story. She's running around trying to make this moment perfect, doing everything that she can, keeping busy at work because she wants to honor Jesus. But Mary is in the other room sitting at Jesus' feet. And we know from verse 42, Jesus says, and this, he says to Martha, this is what Martha should have been doing. Like, this is what Martha should have been doing. And you know, this isn't the only time that we see this woman, Mary, being associated with this statement, sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's two other times in the Gospel of John where we see this picture of Mary being at the feet of Jesus. One of the times is Mary's brother Lazarus died. And Jesus, at the time that Lazarus died, was out of town. He comes back in town. Mary sees Jesus from a distance. She runs all the way up to Jesus, meets him where he's at, hits the floor, sits at his feet, and says, Jesus, well, look what, listen to what she says in John 11, verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been there, my brother would not have died. Like in a, in a time of mourning and loss and worry, Mary runs to Jesus and sat at his feet. She didn't, she didn't run from God in a moment of despair, in a moment of loss, in a moment of mourning. She ran to Jesus. And there's another time in John chapter 12, and of course, if you know the story, Jesus resurrects Lazarus from the dead. He brings him back to life. Now they're hanging out with not only Martha and Mary, but Lazarus is hanging out with them now. And if you read in John chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. And if you don't know what that is, that's okay. I, I don't know what pure nard is, but thank God the Word of God tells us. It, it explains it for us. It says, uh, <laughs> Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. There you have it. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Like, this was clearly the statement that's being associated with Mary and her life. Like, anytime we see her in the Bible, she's at Jesus' feet, worshiping him, acknowledging him as her Lord. Uh, where's Mary? Well, there she is again. She's at Jesus' feet. She's always at Jesus' feet. I don't know if you are familiar with the name game. I think that's what it's called, but uh, when you meet somebody, wh wherever that is, in, in a public gathering or maybe at, at work or in your apartment or, or somewhere in your neighborhood, but you meet somebody, and a way for you to remember uh, or at least remember a face, to put a face to a name or just remember their name, you associate something that you see about them or maybe within the area you are, you associate something with their name. There's a guy um, that does a lot of contract work for our church. He does all the painting. And so anytime... There's a problem with a wall, and someone's like, man, can we get this painted? And I say, yeah, let me, let me go ahead, and I'll give Mike a call. And they always, they always, because they know Mike. Mike's been there a lot, and he's done all the painting. They go, you mean Mike the painter? Yes, Mike the painter. The painter is not Mike's last name. Everybody just associates anything that needs to be painted at the church with Mike. Mike the painter, that's what he's known as. In fact, that's when I first met Mike. I, I saved his number in my phone as Mike the painter. Um, Another example, uh, a few months back, I met a guy in our apartments. And look, people love when you remember their names. Like, that's a big deal. That's important to remember people's names. Uh, people appreciate that. There's a guy that I met in our apartments. His name was uh, Stephen. I don't remember his last name at the time. I still, to this day, don't remember his last name. But I remember exactly who Stephen is. I associated where I lived and where I met him with his name. So in my phone, it says Stephen Appian Way. Now, Stephen doesn't know that, and Stephen doesn't need to know that. But that was easy for me to put a face to a name. I, I met him at our apartments. Stephen's last name is not Appian Way, but I associated with where we were when I met him, and it was easy for me to meet Stephen. 
uh, we were getting our car fixed several months back, and we were getting it fixed. It was dropped off at a place called Caliber Collision. The guy that I was uh, dealing with and having conversations with throughout the whole process was a guy named Javier. But every time I'd get a phone call from him, I put Javier Caliber Collision so I would know. So I could associate everything that's happening with our car with the person that I've been um, talking to throughout the entire process, process, Javier. Javier Caliber Collision. And so, again, you, you get the point. Like Alexander, Alexander the Great, the Great is not Alexander's last name. That the Great... That, that part of what we know as Alexander the Great's name was associated, was, was placed and attached to his name years and years later. And the reason why this is associated with his name is because Alexander the Great was an, an extremely uh, successful leader and king of Macedonia. And I mean, Macedonia flourished under his leadership. They literally were conquering the entire world and would have continued to do so had he not died at a young age. So because of his military genius and political savviness, they attached this this idea of the great to his name. So he's known as Alexander the Great. And so for Mary in this story, her name is being associated with this statement, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Like imagine, imagine it this way. Imagine um, on your gravestone or on your tombstone, um, like for me, for example, Nate Massey, born April 6th, 1987, died. And I'm just going to leave that blank because that, that's going to be, would be totally weird for me to predict my death. But but died and, and fill in the blank. Um, and my epitaph on, on my tombstone says, he sat at the feet of Jesus and learned from him. Like that is what people remembered you for. He sat at the feet of Jesus and learned from him. Like I, I want to be remembered as someone who, who loved Jesus, sat at his feet. I learned from him. I was always spending time with him in his word and through worship at church. Like what a beautiful thing it is to be to, for, for, for something like that to be said about someone, they, they sat at the feet of Jesus. Like, this was the legacy that Mary left on her life based on Scripture. That's what she's remembered for. She sat at the feet of Jesus Christ and learned from him. So let me ask you, what, what legacy are you leaving? What will you be remembered for? Is it the money that you made? Is it the business that you've built? The, the degrees that you have? All the credentials attached to your name? Will you be remembered for, for being a nice person or, or that you helped people? Will you be remembered for being a really good parent or a really good grandparent? Like, like none of these are bad things, by the way. If they're all, you know, bringing glory to God, none of them are bad things. But as we talked about last, thing, or last week, all of these things are, are eventually perishable. Like, none of them can be taken into eternity. Like, you being a good parent on this earth, it won't be taken into eternity with you. You won't be a parent of a child in eternity. So being remembered, like for loving Jesus and sitting at his feet, this is priceless. Like this, this can't be matched. It can't be replaced with anything better than that. And Jesus actually says at the end of this short passage, he says, none of this can be taken away from you. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from him, getting to know God Almighty, it can't be taken away from you. Mary is literally in the presence of Jesus, and she's taking full advantage of this time. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. And so the question for you and the question for me is, are we doing the same? Are we doing the same? And so what what does it mean? What does it look like to sit at Jesus' feet in 2020? I mean, Jesus physically, he's not here with us. How can we possibly sit at his feet? Like, what's the significance of what's happening in this passage? And I think there's several things happening in this passage. A couple of things I want to highlight. What, what Mary is, is showing us is this is a form of worship. 
This is a form of worship. Mary is worshiping Jesus, giving him honor and praise, the honor and praise and glory that he deserves as, as Lord and Savior and creator of all things. Mary, by sitting at his feet, is worshiping Jesus. Look what verse 39 says. She was sitting at his feet, what? Listening to what he said. Listening to what he said. Another version says, listening to his word. Listening to his word. His word, the Bible, God's word, like the Bible right here. This is, this is the inspired word of God. This, this Bible is written by many different people, but it's all inspired by the same Holy Spirit of God. To sit at Jesus' feet in 2020 is to learn from him through his word, through his word. It means we're reading God's word regularly. We're, we're soaking it in. We're devouring it. We're saturating ourselves in the word of God, learning from Jesus, learning from God our Father and what he has to say to us in 2020. It means we're praying to Jesus. It means we're praying to God. We're hearing from God. We're hearing from God through his word. Let me tell you, because maybe you don't know this, the primary and number one place that you will hear from God in your life is through his word. The Bible is the inspired word of God. And can I just say, to be a Christian, to be a Christian is to learn from Jesus. It's to learn from Jesus. If we, if we don't know what God's word says, then it's, it's hard to actually know Jesus. If we don't know what God's word says, then it's hard to know Jesus. Now, now, let me make myself clear. What I'm not saying is it's hard to know about Jesus. It's not hard to know. You can know everything there is to know about Jesus, but not actually know Jesus. Like, like take, for example, LeBron James. He's a, a world-renowned athlete, an incredible uh, professional basketball player in the NBA. He's won... Uh, championships, he's won uh, gold medals, um, he's got all of these accolades and achievements, and, and you can know all of those, you can literally know all of his stats throughout his whole career. That doesn't mean you actually know him personally. It doesn't mean you actually have a personal relationship with LeBron James, and it's the same with God. You can know a lot about God, but you doesn't, it doesn't mean you actually know him. It does not mean you have a relationship with him. The Bible, this Bible, the Word of God is God's revelation to us. And the clearest way to hear from God is through his word. And for us, for you and for me, to sit at the feet of Jesus today is to spend time with him through prayer, through reading scripture, through meditating on it, through going to church and, and worshiping God. I love uh, what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians. So the Apostle Paul, he's this uh, uh, amazing um, preacher and evangelist and church planner. He wrote most of the New Testament. Well, Paul took the gospel for the very first time to this place called Corinth. And, and Paul shared the gospel with people, uh, made disciples, people became Christians, and Paul actually planted a church in this place called Corinth. And so years and years later, Paul writes this letter to this church in Corinth, as what we know as in our Bible as 1 Corinthians. Paul writes this letter to this church that he started many years before. Now it's many years later. And he writes to this church, and mainly what Paul's doing is he is addressing all of the issues that these Christians are having in this church. They're, they're experiencing division in the church, um, idolatry, immorality, uh, jealousy. Uh, all of these issues are occurring in this church as a very unhealthy church. Paul writes this letter to address these Christians. Look at what Paul says as he addresses these other Christians. What, look what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Paul says this, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. Ouch. Like, wow. Paul's saying 
to the very Christians that he first took the gospel to many years before, he's basically saying years later, you guys look more like the world than that of spiritual people. You guys look more like the world than that of Christians. Like Paul would go on and say, you look and are acting as, as mere infants in Christ. Some of you should be teaching people the, the basic principles of Christianity at this point. You should be making disciples right now, but you're not. You, you, you haven't grown really at all. You're, you're not growing in Christ. You should be teaching. You should be making disciples. You should be growing the church, but you're not. You're not. You're mere infants in Christ, and you're not growing in Jesus. And what scares me today, and we can all become victims of this, if I'm being honest, even myself, like, but what scares me today in, in America with, with Christianity in our country, and, and, and all over the world really, but I think primarily um, in America today, we, we can become so lukewarm with our faith. We can become so lukewarm in our Christian life. People say all the time, I believe in God. I mean, we automatically, especially in the South, it seems like, but in, all across America, people just automatically, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, when was the last time you've been to church? Ah, well, you know, I'm not really involved in a local church. I haven't been to church in years. I, in fact, I, I've never really been to church, but, I'm a, but, I'm a, but I believe in God. I'm a Christian. You can even go to church. You can serve in the church. You can do all of the church activities, yet you're, you're not worshiping God. You, you are distracted. You, you are missing the whole point of what it means to be a Christian, and the Bible calls that lukewarm. And Jesus actually says in Revelation, uh, regarding those who are lukewarm, he says, he will spit those who are lukewarm out of his mouth. Like, that is not a good thing. And so, we have got, let, let's not let this idea of lukewarm be associated with Christianity. Let's not let that, that be associated with American Christianity at that. We have got to spend time with God. We've got to grow in Christ. We've got to be a part of a local church. Like, worship together as believers. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Like, let's let that be our legacy. And right now, I would submit to you right now, we have more time than we've maybe ever had in a long, long time. We have more time right now than maybe we've ever had to do these very things. Like, if you read the Bible out of, let's say, religious obligation, you're destined to give up on it. If you're reading uh, the Bible because it's your Christian duty, you'll eventually stop. It won't actually be satisfying to you. It's not going to actually fill you up and give you the strength and the wisdom um, and the courage that you so desperately need in this really, really difficult world to live in. Like, if, if you're doing it at a Christian obligation, it won't satisfy you. Notice something here, though. Mary isn't learning from Jesus out of religious obligation. Mary wasn't even obligated to be where Jesus was in that very room. Her obligation was to be in the kitchen in another room with her sister Martha. Like, that would have been socially normal for Mary. Her obligation was in the other room with her sister Martha. Mary shouldn't have even been in the same vicinity as Jesus. But here's the thing. She wanted to be there. Mary wanted to be there. She wanted to learn from Jesus. She wanted to hear his word. And this reminded me of uh, Psalm 42. The psalmist says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Let me ask you a question. The same question I'm asking myself in my own relationship with God. 
Do you thirst for God? Are you hungry for His Word? Do, do you want to learn from Jesus? Do you want to learn from the, word, the very words of God? Do you want to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary does in this passage and, and with, her, with her life? So Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, and then in verse 40 it says this, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left for me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. So here's my second takeaway for us this morning. Busyness leads to distraction. Busyness leads to distraction. Here's what we know. Martha is clearly distracted. God in the flesh is literally under the same roof as Martha right now, but she is so busy with her cultural obligations and and her social normalities, it distracted her from from, uh, even being with the very God who created her. She is so distracted, she has missed God in the flesh under the same roof. Her busyness distracted her from being with Jesus. Let me say that again. Martha's busyness distracted her from being with Jesus. What Martha um, was doing wasn't necessarily bad. What Martha was doing wasn't necessarily bad. I believe that Martha had good intentions. What she was doing wasn't a bad thing. It was just the timing of it. Martha, look, listen, Martha had the opportunity to be with Jesus, and she regarded serving as a higher priority than worshiping. Martha had the opportunity to be with Jesus, and she regarded serving as a higher priority than worshiping. Like, serving can never take priority over worship. You can, you can work your tail off in the church. You can do all of the church activities. You can check off all of the religious boxes. You can go to church. You can tithe and give. You can serve. You can be all to all people and do all. Yet you can still miss what's most important, taking the time to worship and be with Jesus. Busyness in the world, in our world, is actually applauded. It's considered a worthy and noble thing to be a busy person. But in the kingdom of God, busyness is a setback. And this is me. I'm busy all the time, and I'm so glad that God gave me this word this morning. In the kingdom of God, busyness is a setback. Martha was distracted by all of her preparations. You know, uh, the pastor at my church said this recently. He said, God... and." through what's happening in, in, with the coronavirus, God has literally removed all idols. He has re- literally removed all idols. Think about this right now. There are no sports to be watched right now. And that's really hard for me because I love the NBA. I love basketball. There are no sports to be watched right now. Las Vegas, like Las Vegas is completely shut down. <laughs> the, 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 the city where idolatry, idolatry and gambling run rampant. <laughs> At this time, the... the, the the city of Sin City, as we know it as, is completely shut down. The only thing right now that can really cause us to be busy and take, take time away from Jesus, you know, Martha was distracted by all the preparations. We can still be distracted by all the Netflix. We can still be distracted by all the Hulu. We can still be distracted by all the Apple TV. We can still be distracted by all the social media. We can still be distracted by all the, and you can fill in the blank. It's, it's, it's likely that right now we have more time than we've ever had before to spend with God. We have more time than maybe we've ever had before to sit at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, learning from him, hearing him speak to us through scripture, through his word. 
The question is, are we sitting at the feet of Jesus? Are we reading God's word right now? Are we seeking him during this time of uncertainty and and isolation and having to stay in our homes um, because of COVID-19? Or are you too busy? Are you still too busy? Like with all of your preparations and and of whatever it is that that you're doing that is placing um, your time and your focus in front of Jesus, what what is it that is still causing you to be busy? Because busyness causes distraction. Busyness causes distraction. I remember um, I got married about 18, 19, 20 months ago. Somewhere around a year and a half ago, I got married. And at our reception, it was just an incredible party. Um, So many people came. We were so blessed and so thankful for all the people and guests that we had at our wedding. But at the reception, I never would have saw this coming. My wife and I hardly even spent any time together at the reception. We felt like we were obligated to greet every guest. We felt we were obligated to make sure um, everybody was having a good time. We wanted to meet their needs. Hey, did you go out? Did you go over to this side of the room and check out the canoe that we had set up with all the drinks? Did you go over there and did you get some cake or a cupcake? Did you go to the photo booth and you know? Did you go request a song? You can go request a song. You can do. It. We were just trying to meet the needs of everyone that we hardly even spent any time together. And I'm going to be honest. Looking back, like we regret that. We regret the fact that the very first night I ever had a wife. I hardly even spent time with her at the biggest party, and in my opinion, the best party I'll ever attend. I hardly spent any time on it. And we look back and we regret it. Like, we, we missed an opportunity to spend um, one of the greatest evenings we'll ever have together. And we were apart from each other more than we should have been. And this was Martha. She was so busy and she was so distracted that she missed what was most important, what was right in front of her. And you know, how you spend your time alone says a lot about how you know Jesus. How you spend your time alone says a lot about how you know God. And in a time when we are quarantined and, and told to stay at home by our government, this can be a time where we can literally binge watch every TV show that is on um, Netflix or, or Hulu. Like, we can watch them all right now because we have the time. We have more time than we've ever had. Or we can be spending our time getting to know Jesus. I believe God's grace has fallen upon his church and he is allowing his people to actually take the time to acknowledge him, to actually take the time to spend with him, to actually take the time to read his word and get to know him. I believe God's grace is allowing us to find that time that we, we so-called say we never had to, to spend with him, reading his word, praying, and, and continuing to worship him. And so, look, I don't know about you, I don't know your current situation, what your life looks like right now, but I don't want to look back at this moment in this season in our history and regret the time that God opened up for me and for you, for his people to seek him out and to worship him and to pursue him. The time that he has given us to sit at the feet of Jesus, I don't want to look back and regret that time. So here's what I do know, because we don't have control over COVID-19. We don't have control over the spread of this virus. I mean, we can stay inside, and that does help. But ultimately, you know, this is beyond our control. But here's what I do know. We, we have control over the time that we have. We, we have control on how we manage our time. And so who you are, I, I believe who you are as a Christian is reflected by how often you sit at the feet of Jesus. Who you are as a Christian is reflected by how often you sit at the feet of Jesus. By the way, uh, worshiping Jesus, sitting at his feet, it's not just limited to reading the Bible. It's not just limited to praying. Um, 
this is sitting at the feet of Jesus is also uh, being a part of a local church. Like, are you uh, not just speaking people outside who are members of, who are not members of Hillcrest Christian Church? Maybe you're watching this. Look, are you a part of a local church that you can attend every single week? where you can come and worship with other believers, uh, where you can take communion with the body of Christ. This is all biblical. Listening to the Word of God preached. Like, this is all biblical. This is God's plan for your life, to worship with other believers, to take communion with the body of Christ together. And can I just say, if you're watching this video and you're not a part of a local church and that you attend regularly, like, there's no judgment on you. I love you. And, and more importantly, God loves you. Literally, the God of the universe loves you more than any person on this earth could ever love you. And right where you are, right where you're sitting or listening or watching this video, God is pursuing you through his word, telling you now is the time. You have the freedom, you have the time to open up the Bible and learn about Jesus. But Jesus wants you to belong to his church. He wants you to be a part of the body of Christ, a place where you can come and and be with other believers and, and worship him as a family. This is all Biblical, being a part of a community group, a much smaller gathering of people every week where you can do life um, together. You can come alongside each other in times of hardships and uncertainty and do life with one another and pray with one another. Like Christians, this is God's plan for your life, being a part of a local church. And, and can I just say, if, if you really do believe in God, come to church. Church right now is online. You can literally come to church in your underwear right now, and that's totally okay. You can, you can totally do that. How amazing is that? Everything is online right now. Church is all over the internet. There are so many resources available to us right now to learn about Jesus, to sit at his feet and worship him and hear his word and learn from him. There are so many opportunities right now. So come to church. It's literally right now in your living room. Come to church because Jesus has an amazing plan for your life. And if you believe in God then I would submit to you that there is no better way to display that belief than worship with the body of Christ. And so a form of sitting at Jesus' feet is is also being a part of a local church where you can come and learn more about God with other believers who are doing the exact same thing, learning about Jesus. Look, Christians don't know everything. They don't have all the answers, and they never will People who come to church aren't better than you. They're not smarter than you. They're coming for the same reasons I'm um, asking you to come, to learn more about Jesus. Like, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. You are not meant to worship God alone. That is not biblical Christianity. And so if you need help and want to know how you can get involved in a local church, please text me at my my cell phone number, 817-513-0350. I will help you and walk you through how to get involved in a local church church and especially if you're in the McKinney Dallas area we will we would love for you to join this faith family here at Hillcrest Christian Church in McKinney Texas so verse 41 Jesus says Martha Martha the Lord answered you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her my third takeaway for the for us this morning is choose what is better choose what is better several years ago this was before I was ever working at the church I was serving all the time in the church, doing all kinds of different activities, checking off boxes, being there or being, you know, everywhere I could within the church, serving. I was literally, there were times when I was at the church five or six days a week and I was feeling like I was getting burnt out. 
And, and a pastor friend of mine said to me at the time, he said, be careful because you can easily get burnt out. And I was. I was feeling worn down. I was stressed. I was maxed out. I was always at the church. Anytime someone called me, I would asking me to meet him somewhere, go have a meal or have a cup of coffee. I would, it seemed like every other time they called me, I would, say, I would say, I'm at the church. I can't come. I'm doing something at the church. And so busyness doesn't mean being at the church, being totally involved, serving, doing all those things, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't put you in right standing with God. The more things you do, the more hoops you jump through, it doesn't earn you a right standing with God. It doesn't uh, set aside a place for you um, in eternity with God. I love uh, what happens in the story with Mary and Martha. Look at Martha. She was so worried about all of these things that she was upset that Mary wasn't helping. So she tattletailed on her sister. It's a typical sibling thing to do, right? I'm the youngest of three. I have two older sisters. I used to always tattletale on my sisters. It's probably, and I would always get them in trouble. It's probably why I'm the favorite. Just kidding about that, by the way. My sister Heather might be watching. Um, totally a joke. But, but look what Jesus says to, to Martha. Or Martha says to Jesus, Lord... Lord, she won't help me. She won't help me. And what does Jesus say? He says, stop worrying. Martha, slow down. Relax. Only one thing is important right now, and you're not doing it. Only one thing is important, and you're not doing it. I heard a, my pastor at my church recently say this. Busyness is the enemy of peace. Busyness is the enemy of peace. I think we, we pride ourselves on being so busy, don't we? But what are we learning from this passage? Busyness causes distraction. Busyness causes distraction. And the more distracted we are, the less time we'll spend at the feet of Jesus. Verse 42, Jesus says, But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So let me ask you something. Like right now, in this moment in history, um, when we're all, like the most of us are, are pretty much stuck at home and, and shouldn't be leaving, we have more free time than we've ever had. Are you choosing what's better for your life? Are you choosing what's better for your life? Jesus looks at Martha and says, the better thing for you to be doing right now is to be spending time with me. The better thing for you to be doing right now is to be spending time with me. That word needed in this passage, in the Greek it means, when Jesus says, but only one thing is needed in the Greek, it's saying what should be. Like this is the necessary thing. It means that something else is lacking. There's a lack of something. Which reminded me of what King David said in, in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. David is saying, look, when, when the God of the universe is my shepherd and my provider and my everything, I literally lack nothing. Jesus is saying to Martha, Martha, you are so busy with all of these things, but you're lacking something. Something else is necessary. You should be doing something else. That's spending time with me. Look, if you want peace, in the midst of uncertainty, if you want strength when you're feeling weak, if you want wisdom and guidance and direction throughout COVID-19, spend time at the feet of Jesus and let the Word of God fill your soul. Let the Word of God fill your soul. That's what David says at the end of Psalm 23. Jesus, when Jesus is my shepherd, my cup overflows. I have all that I need and then some. And so if we know anything right now, we have time on our hands. Spend time alone with God at the feet of Jesus, learning and growing in Christ. This is God's will for our life. And so here's where I want to end this morning. I just want to offer up a few different practical ways that we can, as the church, sit at the feet of Jesus. Number one is read your Bible. Read your Bible. Before uh, I was a Christian, I had a guy who's now one of my mentors 
at the time he wasn't. He was just someone who was um, leading me to Jesus. He gave me a Bible, and in the Bible where you write your name, there's a place where you can write the purpose of the gift of the Bible, and he wrote, read five to ten minutes a day for life-changing direction. I'll never forget that. Like, if you want direction in your life right now, or if you are uncertain about your future, read the Bible. God, before the foundation of the world, had plans for your life. Like, literally, I'm speaking to you as an individual. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan and a direction for your life. If you want to find God's will for your life, open up the pages of Scripture. It's revealed to you. It is not, it is not hidden from us. God's will is not hidden from us. It's not some kind of secret thing. It is revealed to us through Scripture. And so read the Bible. And, and don't feel like you have to conquer Mount Everest and read chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter a day. Start with the hill up your street. Like, start small. Read just a few verses. Read five to ten minutes a day. You can even download the Uversion app on your phone, and you can pull up the Bible app on your phone. You can read the Bible literally anywhere you are. And if you don't know where to start, if you don't know what to read, you can jump on the Bible reading plan that I'm starting effective tomorrow, Monday, March uh, 30th. I'm going to read a chapter of Genesis and a chapter of uh, Matthew a day. And so I'm going to go through the Old Testament and the New Testament, just two chapters a day. Genesis 1 starting tomorrow and Matthew 1 starting tomorrow, just two chapters. You can do one in the morning, you can do one in the evening, however you want to do it. Jump on this reading plan with me. We're getting some Old Testament and some New Testament at the same time. God has a plan for your life, a path that, that he is wanting to set for your life. He wants to teach you. He wants to teach you. You just have to let him. You have to let God teach you. You have to slow down. Don't try to climb Mount Everest right now. Start small, five to ten minutes a day, one to two chapters a day. The second thing, when we want to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear from God and and learn from him is prayer. What's your prayer life like? How often do you pray? Uh, do you even pray at all? And, and if you don't, look, don't worry about, about that. Start now. Start now. You can pray scripture. If you, if you need help on how to pray, reach out to someone in your church. Reach out to me. Again, I left my, my, phone, my phone number earlier part in the video. Reach out to me. We'll teach you what it looks like to pray. Um, and again, you can use the Version app. There are ways that uh, there are different apps literally within the Uversion app itself that will teach you and walk you through what it's like to pray. Prayer is just simply talking to God. So reading the Bible, praying to God, and the third aspect of sitting at the feet of Jesus is worshiping in a local church. Now, right now, we can't come to church in person to meet in a physical building, but we can do it online. There are just so many different uh, resources available to us on how we can worship as a church all online. We're bringing to this to you online, of course. So worship in a local church. Be a part of a local church, a community of believers who love Jesus and want to help each other know more about Jesus. And so look, I just want to encourage you. Um, I don't know what you're feeling, what you're experiencing right now throughout this, the spread of this coronavirus. I know times are hard. People are losing their jobs. This is a reality that we live in right now. And there's a lot of uncertainty. And there still continues to be a lot of uncertainty. But here's one thing we know. The Word of God is living and active. The Bible speaks to us today. Our God has not left us. He is very near to us. And he has opened up, I believe the grace of God has opened up time for us to spend with him, to learn from him, to, to, to get the direction that we need in this season of life, to, to get the, the strength that we need to get us moving forward every day. And so I want to encourage you, don't miss the opportunity to spend with our God. Don't miss that opportunity. So I want to pray with you. Would you join me as I pray? Father, I thank you for this time that we've had. I thank you that we can supplement our worship and our preaching through the internet and allow people to grow in Christ 
through this. Father, I pray anybody who's listening, that they would take to heart uh, the, the reality that we live in, God, that you have opened up a way for us to have the time to worship you, to spend time with you, to sit at the feet of Jesus. God, may we take that serious. May we take that serious, God. May we, may we lose all distractions. May we uh, not uh, remove ourselves from just the busyness of life and take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from you, Father. We love you. We thank you. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.